You're listening to Close the Loop, a podcast for business decision makers who are eager to put on their marketing hat and prove the worth of their campaigns. Here to get you excited about attribution and invite you to act on these topics is the host, Kevin Dini, a true marketing and data nerd, live and virtual event speaker, and fan of all things Batman. He's joined by a variety of guests, subject matter experts, and colleagues who are passionate about helping business leaders like you to succeed. No need to take notes. Just visit the show page on callsource.com and read the transcripts, watch the episodes, or get any links mentioned in the show. Hello, welcome to the Close the Loop podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Dini, and today we're going to be talking about more deals versus more data. (laughs) And this is one of those topics that came from internal discussions. There's actually a whiteboard here with data and deals written on it and arrows going to the left or to the right over which one is the better use of time, better use of resources, a better priority to spend on. It's also one of those fun and interesting topics that can be a little controversial out there. A lot of, I think, sales organizations will be like, why would we care about data at the absence of deals or, or some you know, operations people going, well, you can get deals, but if we don't learn anything from it, we're, we're not able to help. We're not able to do anything you know, to contribute. We're not able to help the sales team in, in a meaningful way that we would provide. Sales may counter be like, well, how does data is going to translate into value for us? So this is a pretty back and forth one. So we decided to bring this into a debate sort of uh, discussion around, you know, the, the counterpoints, the pros and cons of emphasizing data and emphasizing um, the sales need to, you know, not, rec- not gather so much information. So, just to ground this, we're not talking about, we're not going to be talking about how organizations value data. We are going to be focusing on how the sales organization, the sales team within your business, the sales leader, the sales reps, anyone who's, you know, selling to a customer, a patient, a consumer, anything like that, the value that they have on and the way they look at data versus maybe the rest of the organization. Sometimes this clashes with sales and marketing. Sometimes it clashes with sales and operations. It can cl- it could be a clash everywhere. <laughs> this is a pretty hot topic. So uh, to bring this into the debate sphere, I am joined by Matt Widmeyer. He's also my colleague here. So welcome, Matt. Hey, Kevin. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me back. Good to be back here. So just to open this up a little bit, Matt, um, we are when we say data versus deals we're kind of like right like we're talking a little bit more about intuitive driven selling versus data driven selling uh, that's closer to what we'd like to talk about <laughs> if if we're talking okay would would i trade data for more deals i think everyone would say yes right matt yeah yeah absolutely yeah it's not exactly like a, it's not even a debate that so what we're really talking about is okay well does data is data getting in the way of deals so matt what do you think of the whole data versus 
deals debate. It makes me laugh every time. <laughs> uh, I think data data is one of those things where it's tricky to talk about because if you don't understand it, you're gonna. It, it seems like it's pretty useless, and sometimes it is. But you don't really know if it, it whether it's going to be useful or not until you until you uh, measure it, right? So you might end up with a lot of extra fields or a lot of extra data points that you don't need, but you only know you don't need them because you analyze it and everything. So you don't know if you will need it at some point, but it's. It, um, the, the data itself is you know, we're playing with mathematics. The intuition part—that's the psychological piece, right? So if you're if you're a football team and you want to try to get a first down and you have the ball, it's fourth and one, and the data says that in this situation, um, it, you probably won't, you know, get the first down based on your team's previous track record, but. In this game, also, you have the brand-new quarterback in, the, maybe the, the backup that replaced the starter. There's a few other things going on. The first half of the game went really well. Um, in, in situations like that, I say, if I'm the head coach, I say we go for it. So there's a time and a place for both. So neither one of them should be completely dismissed. But I feel like if you're going uh, they, they, they go hand in hand, but it always, it usually does go back to the data. And if you had enough data, maybe on that brand new quarterback, maybe you, you, you could then assess that a little bit better, but, um, you're not going to, unless you actually have data to rely on, you're not, you're just going to have to make a gut call. Yeah. You make a really good point. I, I think that it's really important to note that we're not necessarily looking at this. Like, should we be a hundred percent intuition? or 100% data, I think both extremes are bad, right? Data is only going to tell you the information that's necessarily happened in the past. That's Data is sort of in itself historical. It's, it's what it is, is information that you've gathered that has happened in the past, right? It's telling you what has occurred, what has happened, maybe what's happening right this minute. Um, to, to go into the future is requiring a forecast, right? To see your impact on it requires you to measure, okay, well, I touched this or I did this. And then, you know, data is going to tell you, okay, after the fact, what happened? The problem with data a lot of times is like, look at the, look at financial investors, right? Like we have all this amazing plethora of data historically down to the millisecond around the trades that have happened uh, on the stock exchange. But there's no one that is able to perfectly predict where every trade's going, right? Where every market price is going to be. In fact, they have a hard time predicting even more than, you know, a few days or weeks or months ahead of time, like <laughs> data. So in a sense, data has its limitations and the intuition side has some pretty stark limitations as well. I think, uh, like you said, like the intuition of the coach in the football example is based on their experience. It's based on their data in their own head. It's based on a lot of skill sets and stuff they're evaluating in the moment to make that decision anyway. It's not like they're, you know, flipping a coin and going with that, like pure chance or anything. They're basing, intuition is based a little bit on data. So that, that's, how do you see the difference between intuition and data driven? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, I think one is using logic and only logic and the other one's using emotion right and the, the data is using logic and the um the the gut calls and the um other piece intuition is using the emotional thing i don't need data to tell me that if it's snowing outside to to wear a, a jacket i'm probably going to just do that right 
Um, I think that like, you know, I, I, I'm not dumb enough to, to walk outside without my t-shirt on, right? Because I, I can look outside and see that it's snowing. So I think that a situation where somebody doesn't want to use the data, they, they think that they have the answer already. They don't need to, to bother looking at it. Or in a lot of situations, based on my personal experience, I think that either they don't understand the data or they don't want to take the time to understand the data. They just want to move, move, move and go. So um, fair, right? If you're held to the fire with like a you know, hard quota or something like that. But at the same time, um, it's funny too, because you know, you know, I, I was in marketing with you for a while and I was on the sales team for a while. Now I'm kind of in between. I mean, I'm, I'm technically on the sales team, but I'm, I'm sitting now in between the marketing and the sales team and the marketing, the marketing teams in general, I think want to analyze everything and they want data points with everything and salespeople just want to go, go, go. And I feel like, um, sitting in the middle, I feel like I'm, you know, um, sitting there with like two parents arguing with each other and I'm just the kid sitting on the couch watching TV. But, um, so that's, that's right. Sometimes I feel like I don't even have the right to chime in, but, um, I feel like if we, if we want to marry the best of both worlds, I think that we do. Um, it, it, it depends on so many different variables. It's not, um, again, it's not one or the other. It's, it's, um, really going to be based on, okay, is this person's track record, you know, or do they, when it comes to making a call like this, um, do we go down the road they're, they're suggesting we go down or do we sit here and stop and, um, you know, take a look at, at things? It's, it's just a tricky, it's a tricky one. I always compare it to running, right? So if you're move, 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 you're going really fast. At some point you have to slow down and take a breath or take a drink of water. If you keep going, 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 and you're not really confidently knowing where you're going, um, you're only doing tactical work. You're not doing any of the strategic stuff, right? So it's, um, it's a lot of salespeople are okay with, you know, minimum strategy as long as there's things are always moving and there's always action, there's always volume um, and high quantity things. Marketing is usually the department that wants to add the quality into the quantity. So it's interesting though, but you know, I mean, we've, how many fields have we created that we, you know, it's, and it does make it hard in honesty and in, in fairness, it does make it harder for some salespeople to be like, to find the right fields they need to input stuff. Like you could only configure a CRM to a certain degree where it's like, oh man, I don't even know where to put the person's email or the first name because there's like so many other fields in here. So it's, it is exciting to have all the data points, but it is you know, it is one of those things where it's like, okay, what are we over measuring here or what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you, you just hit on a lot of things, right? So, and it, and to some degree, like you're, you're putting it, you're putting a lot of this stuff out there in balance. Like the, the need from the sales side of the, of any organization is to generate revenue as quickly as possible. And to do that, you know, given the resources and stuff they have, which to them a lot of times is time. Like anything that's a relationship driven, right? You're talking to other people. Sometimes that takes time. It's like an, an unavoidable thing. Sometimes it's just like one call close. Someone called in, they wanted a service done and that's it. 
And so there's not really much relationship building there, but there is a little bit, there is, there is some, there is like maybe a conversation on a phone call that has to happen. And so there might be data points around what happened on that call. You know, where did that call come from? Where are the good calls coming from? Where are the bad calls coming from? Uh, who on the team is doing well with, you know, converting customer or converting callers into customers? Who isn't doing as well? How could we improve that? A lot of those, a lot of that need to, okay, we're doing well. I'd like to do better. To me, it comes from like a data point of view. But there are a lot of things that don't necessarily like come from data. So the side, the sales side's, like asking the question, right? Like, well, it's difficult to to quantify the sales process. So, why should we bother? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's that's the thing, right? I mean, you could sit here and map out the stages and all that stuff. And um, at the end of the day, if they aren't being used, then um, it doesn't really matter. So, it's usually the same. Uh, if that's why the inputs have to be very straightforward, right? Because if they aren't straightforward, you're going to have bogus inputs in those fields. And then you're not going to be able to, um, you're not going to be able to feel good about using the data. The data is not going to make, it's not even going to be reliable anyway. So um, if you're, but at, at the same time, that, that should be managed by somebody, right? And whether it's a sales manager or marketing manager or, a combination of both or sales ops or something, depending on the size of your company. Um, those, the, the way data gets inputted should be closely managed. If there's things that should be in a CRM that are not in a CRM, you need to get them in the CRM. Otherwise, yeah, it is, it is going to be very hard to be able to use data to be able to make business decisions. Right. We've seen that on both, on both sides, really. Yeah. So at we prepared a lot of like things to go back and forth on this on, but is there anything in in what you are looking at, Matt, when researching this topic that for you is a tough nut to crack? Like something maybe on either side of the debate that, you know, too much data is impeding sales. We should be a little bit more intuitive driven or on the other side, look, data's keen, you know, intuitive driven keeps and impacts other teams from seeing stuff we should be gathering lots of information how does it is anything stuck out to you there well you want to start you always want to start with gathering the information that you absolutely need and then once you get that piece down you want to be able to okay let's start introducing maybe we start asking this one question capturing this one data point oh, that's interesting let's start asking this question so I think it's it's a general, very generally speaking, sitting in the middle as the innocent child again with their parents arguing. I would say that it's it, this requires a great deal of patience from both sales and marketing because um, it, how and this is a fair question for any marketer or salesperson listening to this. How much time have you actually spent? trying to understand the nuts and the bolts of the other side, right? Um, based on my experience, it, it's, it doesn't, there's not a whole lot of that going on. How often do marketers sit with salespeople and listen to demos, listen to phone calls? It doesn't happen very often. And it's because they have their own stuff to do. It's, it's fair, right? But at the same time, you aren't seeing salespeople sit back behind you, Kevin. I've never seen a salesperson sit behind you and kind of watch your day-to-day -day and kind of look at the stuff that you go through. Or 
even if you put data in front of them, they won't even know where to start. I understand it. A lot of them, you know, <laughs> a lot of them are not super Excel savvy or anything like that. But, um, you know, something that just like the, the even the groundbreaking stuff, how can we re rely on something if, if it's not, if we're kind of, if we aren't confident enough in the inputs it, or, you know, how, how can we rely enough to be able to change anything if we aren't even sure, absolutely sure about what's currently happening. Right. So I think that, you know, it is, um, I, I guess from your experience as a marketer, I mean, what, what is the thing that, that, um, I guess, what is your ask from a salesperson that truly wants to understand, or, or what is, I guess, what is your pitch to a salesperson of why it might make sense for them to truly understand everything that you go through to crunch the data? Because it's a big piece of, it, of this whole thing. Yeah. Well, so there's this concept of like data maturity, and that is the absolute first step. I think because in the way that the data maturity model works is uh, the the first question is usually okay what is the what does the data say and it's basically like well we did fifty thousand dollars in sales okay the the next maturity level to to want to know more is when it's like well okay that that's what's happened but I want to know a little bit better about what caused that to happen. I want to look in the past and see what were the sources of this, let's say the sales. And it's like, well, they're broken into products. They could be broken into different uh, reps, different people, uh, maybe different times. There's lots of ways to break that down. And then the next level of maturity is, okay, now that we know where things have come from, <laughs> we know maybe what campaigns they came from. We know where we spent money. And we know where it has come out of that. So you kind of know your inputs and outputs. That is the third level of maturity, which is like called like a forecasting or prediction. Because then you're like, well, cool. If we do the same thing, if we hold everything constant, it we kind of assume it will repeat itself again. And then the last level of maturity is when it's like, okay, we know what's happening. We know where it's come from. And we can make predictions about what's going to happen. But let's put some marketing budget over here. Let's do a sales initiative over here. Let's run a campaign. Let's uh, trim costs here because they're not working and let's put the budget here or let's just trim costs at all to get a leaner you know, end result. And when you do things like that, that's the final level of maturity when you're measuring your impact when you make changes, right? So connecting with another organization, another team at the company, is sort of first assessing, okay, where's the maturity at? And sometimes it's like, look, I just want to know a number. And sometimes it's, I want to know the sources of the number. Other times it's, okay, we, you know, how are we looking in the months ahead or what are we planning in the future? And other times it's, okay, what can we do to change this, you know, based on the historical information? I think that this will see so how you see how there's different maturity levels there. So on the marketing side, at least the way I look at it is, at least the way I approached it is, okay, what's the maturity level first? And then second, I got to know what their goals are. So what do you, I mean, if I don't know what your goals are, it's kind of hard for me to even begin the conversation like, like, oh yeah, I, I, I know I can help you because I don't really didn't know what, what, what helping you means. So that that's usually like that. It's, and that's, it seems like such a simple question, a simple thing that everyone should just inherently know. Sales just wants sales. But it's a little more than that, right, Matt? 
It totally is. I mean, it's sales wants sales. That's great. But how, how do we repeat and scale this? Um, if you're not looking at data, which forecast, if you're doing any kind of a forecasting, you need to look at data and those inputs need to be very accurate in order to be able to somewhat even ballpark how your next month is going to be. But if you're not, um, if you're just kind of living by the seat, you know, flying by the seat, of your pants, as they say, like it's, it's kind of, Every month is a crapshoot. Oh, this guy might hit his numbers, but he might not. I I don't really know, but if, I guess if if um, God willing, <laughs> you know, this month maybe not next month, and it's just kind of like a guessing game every single month. If you're using the data, you can turn it into a little bit more of like a okay. Now I'm technically managing sales, right? Because I'm I, I'm not gonna um, throw it up. I'm not throwing up a bunch of spaghetti up against the wall to see what sticks. I'm now knowing that, hey, we're, the data has shown us that uh, we need, if you want more sales next month, you need to be prospecting more this month, right? So even if this month is going great, cool, let's let's keep going, keep doing what you're doing this month. But next month is you're looking a little bit dry in your pipeline. So um, you, you should start planning into that because if you start planning next month, next month, you're probably going to miss your numbers. Yeah, that I think one really cool thing you're describing there is is when you break down what it what it really takes to make a sale for your company. So if you if you're looking at like, well, to sell, I need to collect payment information. Okay, to get that, I need to have my rep or my person either on the phone or in person, the the customer or the patient or whoever needs to know what they're getting and or have received the service that we've provided. Okay, how do we get there? And if you just kind of <laughs> plot your way from the the sale backwards, you can see all these little points and you're like, okay, these have to happen. Maybe not necessarily in the in the order, but these are maybe some pertinent things that have to occur. And that's called the pipeline, to, to the way I understand it, or the journey, customer journey or something like that. Those points along the path are not always in your control. <laughs> Okay, so the more in control they are, the more of an influence you have, right? If you're like, well, I don't have any control over this, then there's really not a whole lot you can do. But let's say the marketing team is the one in control of that, right? So, or if you don't have a marketing team, an agency, if you don't have an agency, okay, someone is in charge of some, you know, putting on a marketing hat. So that's their job. Someone's got to own each point along that journey. And so if, if we're not, if we're not, you know, going along that journey to see what can help, it's it's not it may not be 100% clear how data is going to help your business at all right it's like well look selling is a over selling is an in person over the phone human to human interaction what does data have to do with any of that <laughs> so uh well okay if you know if, if to make a sale you need to have a phone call first okay how do we get more phone calls cuz if if you're if you're closing let's say 20% of phone calls or 30% of phone calls that are coming in great will that stay the same if we you know add 20 more calls to your thing, to your pipeline. Okay, great. It will. So how do we get the 20 more? Okay, that may not be 100% a selling activity that you're that we're talking about here, but that's how teams that's how you, that's the very simple way to describe how a team would work with sales, uh, you know, like to just to improve the selling using data. And some of that one of the big things, one of the things I was going to ask you about was data gathering. Okay, so this is where it leads to, right? So like, great, it seems like we've made a strong case for gathering data. Okay, but does data gathering 
get in the way of selling? Um, it shouldn't, but it does. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's try having a conversation with a salesperson who's struggling that month and saying, Hey, um, I need you to, uh, we, we added a couple more data points. It doesn't look like you're filling this one out. Um, it does. It's not going to happen, man, because it's we're it's already too late to have that conversation, right? Um, any bit of extra time, and salespeople are kind of known for not making the best use of every minute of every day. You know, they it's exhausting, right? So they take breaks and they walk around and they, you know, they just kind of need to recharge their batteries a little more often, right? They deal with a lot of rejection. That's why. Um, so it it does, and it is. Um, it's when marketing meets with salespeople or if, if these internal conversations are happening, you got to bring value to the table and you have to make it every, every person walking out of that meeting should have their minds blown. Um, that's why you probably don't want to have it daily or even weekly or sometimes even monthly. You want to have, Hey, we've gathered enough data. This is what's happening. This is what needs to change. If, if you want to, because it, Assuming you're, you've now gotten to a point where you understand their goals, if you keep operating on the path you're currently on, you're not going to make your goals. That's the message they need to hear, right? And if you want to reach and surpass your goals, then these changes are critical to make. So if you're if you're a sales, if I'm a salesperson, and you don't have to say it like that, but if if I'm a salesperson, my both of my ears are open and I'm listening to and writing taking notes and making those changes because I want to hit my numbers. I want to keep a roof over my head. Yeah, a lot of this is communication capability. <laughs> but at the same time, there's a so yeah, there's empathy involved. But what we're also talking about is like generally viewed as like the greater good, like the idea that success for the company is probably the penultimate goal. So the company has some goal or thing that they have to achieve to stay alive. And that's everyone <laughs> that, that affects everyone. And then there's, you know, what marketing is parsing to do, what selling teams are parsing to do, support, um, technicians, um, doctors, staff, uh, accounting. There's a lot of different functional things that are happening in the business and they all have like a specialized role. Right. So everyone's doing their part like a like a football team. Everyone's doing a different role in the team to make sure the whole team is effective. Now, sometimes like a person, a person who isn't necessarily holding the carrying their weight, I think is the right way to describe this. <laughs> a team or position or role is not performing as well. It can impact the whole team. In some cases, the team can kind of carry the weight like. Yeah, this person's job or role is not as great. We made plays like on a football team. We made plays that don't incorporate them as much because that's not our strongest part. You know, we're going to utilize our strengths. And so it gets a little bit, it gets a little hard, let's say, for a team. Like, let's say, let's go, I'll switch on the, the other side for a second here. On the marketing side, there may be data points that if I had them, I could do my job a lot better. And that's important to me, maybe important to the whole marketing team. On the other side, on the sales selling side, right? On the sales team side, those data points, those maybe two or three more data points are not just two or three more. 
there, there are two or three more on top of, let's say, a mountain of other things I'm have to do. Uh, maybe a backlog of stuff I am behind anyway on. So how am I going to, you know, of more important priorities than that? So it, the, the tug of war can happen because on the marketing side, it's look, this is a critical and essential and what I need to do our job better. On the selling side, it's, well, look, th- there's no way. You know, like if you're going to get data at all, it's going to be minimal and it's not going to be as important to you. So why even ask us to do it? And that tug of war goes back and forth. So there is an aspect here where the, the top down, the management comes into play. So what, do you, what, do you, what thoughts do you have on how important all this is for like the culture and management of a company to decide how much they want to be intuitive driven or data driven? Yeah, it's it's tricky, right? The example you just gave, it's um, you know, uh, hey, I need this better. I need this data point to do my job better. Um, that's great for you, but I don't think. <laughs> I mean, tr- really, right? At that point, it is it is about you. But full circle, right? It's going to end up being about them, right? They just don't. I, I think that the short term is like. Okay, I don't care. I don't want, you know, it's just more noise to me, basically, if I'm a salesperson. So if I'm a salesperson, what do I, I mean, I guess I'm going to turn this question back over to you because if I'm a salesperson, why do I care if Kevin can do his job better by introducing this new field or whatever it is, right? Why Why should I, why should I care? And it, of course, it's going to depend on what the data point is or whatever, but like, what, what are you going to do now that you have this new data point, Kevin? Yeah, so there's two things that are going to happen, right? So the first one is is we lose the battle because we're not able to explain to them the value that they would get out of it, the organization would get out of it, their management, their leadership. It doesn't it doesn't hit that point where it becomes a necessity and adopt it. And that that's one outcome. And that that can be a failure on our on any team's part to not fully understand, let's say what the data is, how it contributes to the organization. That could be that you know, the onus of it is, is primarily, I think, the responsibility is on the marketing team to really explain, okay, here is why this is important. Here is why this is going to help us. This is how it's going to help you help us. There's a lot of things. That's why I'm being kind of general here. But there's a lot of ways that data that it helps marketing ends up helping sales. And that could be like more more leads, more uh, quality. That could be a better return. That could be faster deals. That could be higher margin. Uh, there's a lot there. It could also just be us seeing whether we're spending our budget right. And so, you know, that helps us not to overwhelm them with, with crud, <laughs> with, with time wasting stuff. Now, the other side, the other, the other direction it goes is it is adopted, right? So they've agreed, okay, we'll take on these other data points. Now, those, like you mentioned before, those better be valuable. Those better be interesting. Those better be contributing. Cause, you know, if, I think in three or six months down the line, if we say, hey, you know, we ended up gathering enough of this information, but it actually doesn't help or improve what we do. At that point, you should cut them out, you should drop them out. It's like <laughs> they're not needed anymore. If they do end up having a deriving value, you may owe it to them to <laughs> tell everyone, here is what we've received and gotten out of this. There, th- You might also... <sighs> You might also get to the point where they are now really happy and excited because they're seeing the difference. <laughs> if they are really excited about 
what they are now seeing in their pipeline and some result, they may be the first ones to come over and say, hey, this is this something's changed, something's better. Uh, most often you only hear about the bad stuff. <laughs> You're only going to hear, oh man, things are terrible now. Things are not working out. Um, it, it's just because it's more salient. It's just, you know, it, more recency bias. There's more, <laughs> it, it's, it's when you're used to rejection all the time, but you get like strings of them and you know where they're coming from. Oh man, these are all the marketing ones. Like, man, they're just terrible. That anecdotal feedback can, can come over. The data can say, Hey, these are actually better. But an individual's premise could say, no, these are terrible. So sometimes at the end of the day, data kind of wins arguments. <laughs> data can prove or show or be the, uh, the, the voice that is not biased it, in a sense. It can be the thing that proves to everyone, no, this is working. This is needed. And one, sometimes it takes one battle at a time. I, I think when you try to fight too many things at once, you're going to lose <laughs> from either side. That's all for part one. Stay tuned next week for the thrilling conclusion of the episode. Thanks for listening. And we hope you're getting a lot out of each and every episode that we do. Thank you.